The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. You chose to take a journey down a long and dangerous trail Chose to serve your country and we know you served us well But now you're back and it's our duty to keep you safe and warm. Shake your hand and welcome you back home with open arms We're America, your family, the land of liberty We're thankful for your sacrifice, your fight to keep us free We are America and we truly do You're the backbone of our nation Thanks to you, we're living free We're a quilt of many colors And we breathe red, white, and blue We're America, your country And America wants you It has been said that we are but one generation away from forgetting our history. Welcome to American Heroes Network, where we serve our American tradition. With Gary Ray, along with his co-host Linda Crater and other prestigious co-hosts. In our program, you will hear firsthand the personal accounts of heroes whose unselfish actions have contributed to the traditions and values that represent the soul of America. You'll also hear from our partners and affiliations presenting news events and ways that our veterans and their families can rebuild their lives. Now, here is Gary Ray with his co-host Linda Crater and other prestigious co-hosts. Good morning and welcome to the American Heroes Network. Today is August 27th, 2013. I'm Gary Ray, along with my co-host, Linda Crater, President and CEO for VeteranCaregiver.com. Good morning, Linda. How are you? Good morning, Gary. I'm just fine. Thank you. And you? Good, good. I hope this week isn't as tough as last week for you. You never know, (laughs) but we manage it no matter what, correct? That's, That's true. We always do. Well, before we get with our guests, we're going to take a couple of minutes to wish Anthony Anderson and Tom Voss good luck. This Friday, August 30th, they're going to start their short walk, <laughs> short, huh? 2,700-mile journey walking from Milwaukee to L.A. for PTSD and veteran suicide awareness. Good morning, Tom. How are you? Good, good. How are you? Thanks for having me. Good, good. No problem. We're going to be having uh, you both uh, every Tuesday, just remember, for the next 20 weeks. Uh, Tom, why don't you tell us what uh, Milwaukee has in store for the initial start of your walk this Friday? um, Basically, we're going to be at the uh, Milwaukee County War Memorial, and um, that's a, um, we have a uh, nice uh, gathering actually planned. We have the, uh, the mayor, um, we'll be doing a proclamation, and he will be uh, calling August 30th Veterans Trek Day, and also another proclamation by the uh, county executive. Um, so we're we're pretty excited about that. I bet, I bet. It's also the start of uh, Harley up there, also this weekend, and they're gonna oh, yeah. they're gonna wish you good luck too, aren't they? Oh yeah, we uh, it's the second day of Harley Fest, so the uh, Milwaukee County War Memorial grounds are actually located right next to the uh, Summerfest grounds where Harley Fest will be will be held. All right, 
So uh, right. hopefully we'll get a, uh, a pretty nice crowd. Oh, yes, definitely. You will. Milwaukee's pretty supportive of everything that happens up there. That's oh, yeah, my hometown, definitely. by the way. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, uh, you did receive all the requested donations, right, which is fantastic. Yeah, that, I mean, amazing. Uh, we're, just, we're just overwhelmed right now. I mean, we're, we're ready to go, and uh, we couldn't have done it without the uh, support of, uh, you know, everyone who's following us. So we'd like to say thank you to them. Right. And don't forget, when you start on that walk and you run across people that are on the sidelines, just remind them they can donate directly to, uh, you know, through their, through their phones by just texting the word DONATE. To eight zero four six four, and it goes directly to um, uh, Dry Hooch. A hundred percent of that donation. All right. Excellent. Yep. All right. Well, we want to wish you good luck uh, to you and Anthony. Um, you guys. Uh, I'll tell you, this is. I don't know if I did even attempt this, but I, I really, really <laughs> am proud of you two taking this up and uh, uh, initiating it. So thank you. Thank you very much. We uh, well, thank we you. Should have some uh, beautiful weather. Should be uh, about ninety degrees and one hundred percent humidity. So should be awesome. <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So again, uh, good luck, and uh, we will talk to you on Tuesday. I guess you'll be Great. around Madison area at the time. Sure. Yep. All right. Take care. All right. All right. And everybody, thank be you, sure to appreciate it. No problem, Tom. You have a good day. You too. Be sure to tune in every Tuesday to the AmericanHeroesNetwork.com and hear the live updates on, this, on their adventures at the start of each show for the next 20 weeks. Again, good luck. Well, let's get to our guests. Our guest today has evaluated more than 7,000 veterans, most with PTSD, and is the authority actually on the effects of combat PTSD on the warrior, the veteran, and the family members. He has lectured to over 1,000 groups of physicians and mental health professionals on how to diagnose, treat, and manage PTSD. He also co-wrote the book, I Always Sit With My Back to the Wall, with Reverend Dr. Chris Parker. Believe me, this book is a real eye-opener for those unfamiliar with behaviors and actions of those with combat PTSD. Our guest has also appeared on Evening TV newscasts for over 17 years with a national award-winning mental health feature, The Mind is Powerful Medicine. Linda, why don't you introduce our distinguished guest today? I am delighted to introduce Dr. Harry Croft from San Antonio, Texas. Harry is not only widely accomplished, but he has that unknown factor of compassion when dealing with some people who are really going through some rough things. What has always attracted me to his work as well has been that he looks at PTSD not only from the experience of the combat veteran, but also on the effects of the family members and friends around them. So it's with full awareness and compassion and expertise. And you put that combination together, it's a powerful combination. Welcome to the show, Harry. Yes, welcome. Well, thank you. I think I'm done now. <laughs> I can't do better than oh, that, no. so I'm finished. Oh, no, you're not done at all. In fact, I would love to start with something that is your current um, passion, I would say. All of those listening are probably very aware that there, are a small, there is a small percentage of those serving 
and a larger percentage that really doesn't understand PTSD or, or what it means when a troop comes back from combat and moves back into the community. Harry has taken an approach, and there are several groups doing this, but I, I believe he has the, the greatest following at this point, of educating our medical professionals in the community. Because about 70% of our veterans live more than 40 minutes from a VA medical center and may indeed be seen by civilian physicians. So, Harry, can you talk about your recent discussions and programs for civilian uh, doctors to understand combat PTSD and PTSD in general? So I'm a psychiatrist, and I was invited about a year ago now to lecture to a group of primary care family doctors at their national convention in San Antonio, and they wanted me to talk about psychiatric uh, emergencies because uh, the, the physician who was supposed to do that couldn't make it. And I decided, no, that's not what I want to talk about. I want to talk about PTSD. And <laughs> they just jumped at the opportunity, and I gave my first talk then and what I discovered, Linda, was that most primary care civilian doctors now, we're, I've also lectured now to VA doctors, primary care, but most civilian doctors don't know often that the person they're seeing in front of them is even a veteran. Right. Or that that person has ever been in combat or that they might have PTSD. And you may wonder, the, the listening audience, well, how could they not know? Well, the, the reality is the veteran doesn't say anything. The veteran right. comes in, and instead of saying, look, I'm a veteran, I was in Iraq, Afghanistan, Vietnam, uh, and I, I may have this syndrome called PTSD, instead they say, can't sleep at night. And so the doctor prescribes them uh, a sleeper medication, or I'm angry all the time and my marriage is falling apart and I'm about to get fired at work. So they get sent to anger management. Or I'm dizzy and I have headaches and my stomach bothers me. And, and so they get the, the medicine of the day for that complaint. And often the underlying problem, which can be PTSD, is not discovered. Uh, you may wonder, why doesn't the vet say that they're a veteran? Uh, and, and there may be a lot of reasons for that, but one of the things I've discovered in talking, I, I've now talked to over 3,000 uh, primary care doctors around the country, and, and one of the things I've discovered is the fact that many veterans don't go to the doctor under their own uh, power if you will. Mm -hmm. They go because they're sent by their spouse or they're sent by the employer or they're sent by the judge, uh, but they're not there uh, on their own uh, initiative. And so the doctors, civilian doctors may be busy and, and they don't have the time to ask the questions. And what I learned from a large group of, uh, of physicians is they came up to me after the talk and said, we are so glad you gave this talk because I'm going to be honest, Doc. I, 
I didn't even want to know it was PTSD. And I said, why? And they said, because I knew if they told me it was PTSD, I didn't know what to do about it. Because Mm -hmm. most doctors get very little training in medical school or in their residencies about uh, post-traumatic stress disorder. So that's how I became interested. And out of that came talking to several other groups. And now I lecture for a company that uh, does what's called CME, Continuing Medical Education uh, Talks, to physicians around the country. We've done four of those. We've got four more coming up in October and November, Atlanta, Anaheim, Detroit, and Dallas. So I'm very excited to talk to these groups, and I can tell you most, most of the groups are about four or 500 docs, huge rooms, and there is often dead silence right. as we talk about the symptoms and the presentations and what to do to help these vets and their family members out. Enormously valuable, Harry. Yes, it is. Well, I'll tell you what, we're going to quickly jump into a break so we can come back and uh, talk uh, a little bit longer. Um, Be sure to visit our mobile sponsors, Brave Marketing Concept and First Class Merchant Services. They provide some of the lowest rates for veterans that have businesses and nonprofit organizations. I'm Gary Ray, along with my co-host, Linda, and our guest, Dr. Harry Croft. You're listening to the American Heroes Network, powered by Voice America on the Variety Channel, and we'll be right back. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. Are you ready for another meeting? Do you leave wondering if you've made any progress? Or was it just another organizational reorganization? Are you looking for a way to change that and make progress? Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel every week for educational leadership. What else is possible? With hosts Mary Maduna and Margaret Ruff. If you're ready to energize your leadership and create new possibilities, join us for a chance to look through a different lens and gain a new perspective every Thursday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you're listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are tuned in to American Heroes Network. If you want to find out more about us or to contact us with questions or comments about the show, 
please send an email to American Heroes Network at gmail.com. That's American Heroes Network at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back. We're here with Dr. Harry Croft, and I think the big question here is, Harry, what made you uh, get interested in the PTSD? Well, uh, thanks for asking that, Gary. I, I have a real passion for PTSD, especially combat-related, and it goes back to 1973. Towards the end of Vietnam, I was stationed at Fort Sam Houston, Texas, as a uh, an officer in the United States Medical Corps. Uh, I was a psychiatrist, and I was in charge of the drug and alcohol program at Fort Sam. That was Nixon's showcase program to the world, and tragically, we never had an empty bed. Vietnam formally ended in 75. And in 73, we never had an empty bed in our drug and alcohol program. And almost all of those uh, service members, uh, almost all of them had what we would now call PTSD. But as many of, uh, of the listeners may know, PTSD had no name in 1973. Mm-hmm nor the next three years that I served at Fort Sam. It didn't get its name until 1980, and I'll talk about that in a second. But, but I knew that there was more to what was wrong with these uh, uh, service members uh, than just the drug and alcohol abuse. But, but more than not knowing what to call it, we didn't know what to do about it. So we did what we were told to do. Uh, which was probably of absolutely no help. We told them things like, um, so stop being angry all the time. So stop smoking all that dope. So get some friends and get a family. Stop being so jumpy all the time. Uh, get get uh, a life, get a grip. And I knew that wasn't the right answer, but it's the best we had at the time. That's where my interest in the process in the syndrome we now call post-traumatic stress disorder started. Fast forward to about 14 years ago. By now, PTSD had a name. We had a better idea of what to do about it. And I got the opportunity to start evaluating veterans uh, with PTSD for a contract company that does the disability avails, they're called C&P, Compensation and Pension Avails, for these veterans. Uh, as you mentioned in the opening, I've now seen over 7,000 of these vets. I don't treat them, I just evaluate them. But I was so interested in what they had to say, especially at the beginning. At the beginning, 14 years ago, they were almost all Vietnam vets. And because of my interest in PTSD, in addition to just gathering the data that I needed to fill out their disability forms, I actually listened to these vets and their family members. They often would bring family members. And, and for the first time, many of these folks opened up to anybody about what was going on, their experiences, their symptoms, and the like. And what I learned then was, uh, even then we talked about PTSD like everybody knows what that is. But what I discovered was they didn't know what it was. Mm -hmm. And their family members 
didn't have a clue why they uh, felt the way they did, behaved the way they did, uh, what was going on, and they didn't know. And so I started working on this little manuscript, and I would use stories told to me by the vets that I had permission to use. And I wrote this little manuscript because what I learned is if I described to the vets and their family members, so here are the symptoms of PTSD, they still may not understand. Mm -hmm. So what does that have to do with me? Because they didn't understand all the concepts. So what I learned is by telling stories, uh, it, it got through, and the vets would come back to me and say, gosh, that was so helpful. Uh, how did you know me so well? And what I told them was, I didn't know you at all when I wrote this manuscript. But I do know about PTSD, and that's what you have. And, and we discovered that it was helpful enough that ultimately it became the book. I, I'll just give you a little funny story. So I wrote the book. I'm very good, I think, at diagnosing PTSD. I'm not nearly as good at treating PTSD, and I certainly wasn't then. So I'm in a telephone store, and I'm talking to somebody over the phone about PTSD. I think it was uh, uh, the editor. And uh, Dr. Chris Parker, uh, a female civilian chaplain who you've had on your show and spent a month in, in Iraq at two forward operating bases, stopped me and said, do you know about PTSD? Are you interested in that? And I said, yeah, are you? And she <laughs> said, yeah. And I made the fatal mistake of, of <laughs> saying to Chris, uh, I've written this manuscript. Would you mind reading it? And then I added, and being very honest about what you think about it. Well, she did. And she came back and she said, you know, the description of the symptoms and the stories were the best I've ever read. The treatment part sucked, but the first part was very good. <laughs> and, and I said, well, would you help me with the treatment part? Would you uh, kind of edit it for me? And when I saw what she knew and how well she wrote, I changed my mind and said, let's write this book together. And that's how the book came to be. And one of the symptoms of PTSD is, uh, uh, is hypervigilance. So what does that mean? Well, who knows? But it means actually being very observant about everything going on, always scanning the environment. And there's a reason for that. And I learned one of the questions to ask was, so you go to a restaurant, and it's pretty empty, and the little sign says, sit wherever you want. Where do you sit? And, <laughs> and it, it, it was so uh, standard that that's mm -hmm. what we call the book. I always sit with my back to the wall. What's a, a funny little story, I'll tell you. So, so I saw this veteran. Uh, she was a female. And I said, uh, so where do you sit? And she said, well, I always sit with my back to the wall. And she kind of smiled and laughed and chuckled. And I said, what was so funny? She said, well, my husband's a veteran, too, with PTSD. And, Doc, we kind of fight each other for who's going to sit with their back to the wall. <laughs> so, so 
we we wrote the book, and out of the book came some things we never expected. We expected to speak to veterans and family members, but it's an outgrowth. It's given me the opportunity to speak to the physicians, to educate them. And another interest area we have is speaking to employers, especially HR personnel, about hiring vets. One of the big elephants in the room for HR personnel is this PTSD myth and misconception. And so it's never spoken about. But it's often a deal breaker for vets who are either hired or for vets in terms of their getting promoted and retained in the way they should. So we've started speaking around the country to employers as well as physicians as well as veterans group. So that's how my interest started. Fantastic. Phenomenal. And the book is phenomenal. (laughs) Thank you. Which is titled... I'm sorry? Which is titled, I Always Sit With My Back to the Wall. I Always Sit With My Back to the Wall, yeah. And and our website, which is free, by the way, is called mybacktothewall.com. I Always Sit With My Back to the Wall was taken, so we used mybacktothewall.com. And it's it's a website that I think is chucked full of good information about PTSD, because that lack of information, Linda, uh, whenever there's a void, it it often leads to myth and misconception. And I find that both in the veterans, in the HR personnel, and in the physicians. Absolutely. Unbelievable. Remember, I was telling you the other, well, yesterday, uh, Harry, that about that uh, young, well, young guy uh, from Vietnam. He's been around 40 years with PTSD. Um, He comes into the office every week. Um, He finally did agree to go to the VA to be checked out. And then about two weeks later, he told me that, oh, he forgot about the appointment. Um, You know, (laughs) (laughs) uh, the thing is, he was thrown in jail, uh, uh, you know, a week after that. Yeah. So, again, it's it's, it's not understanding. Yes, it is. Cycle. Yeah, and and I'd like to talk about that cycle, but let me tell you one of the lessons uh, that you just gave that I talk to all my vets about. After I've done the evaluation, I usually spend a few minutes just talking to them about the condition they have and the treatment for it. And one of the things I always tell them is, please do something. Uh, other than treat yourself, uh, self-medicate with drugs and alcohol, because time alone does not heal PTSD. Mm-hmm. Let me repeat that. Time alone does not heal PTSD. And, and the veteran you mentioned, Vietnam ended for most of these guys and gals uh, over four decades ago. Correct. You'd figure if time is going to heal it, 40 years is plenty long enough to do that. But if you know or if you are a Vietnam vet, you know that, that they're not healed uh, and that time does not heal it for the Vietnam vets. And unfortunately, it's not going to heal it for the Middle Eastern vets either. 
you have to do something, and there are things that you can do that can be very, very helpful, even if the condition can't be cured. Uh, and, and the example I use there is, uh, if you've got diabetes, you don't cure diabetes, but with the proper diet and exercise, and if you need it, the proper medication, you can live a pretty good life, uh, even with diabetes. It does not have to rob you of living that good life. And in the same way, uh, many veterans are much, much improved, such that their symptoms are, are often minimal. But even for the rest, the symptoms can be dealt with in a way that allows them to live a good life with their families, uh, with their job, with their community, with their God. Uh, and, and even though some of the symptoms may persist uh, over time, they can be dealt with appropriately if the proper treatment is gotten. The other thing I just want to mention is one of the myths that keeps people from getting into treatment is the myth that says PTSD is a psychiatric disorder. But wait, some people may be saying, isn't it written up in the big book of psychiatric orders called DSM, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of the American Psychiatric Association? The answer is yes, it is. And it was first described in 1980. Wait a minute, why 1980? Because the Vietnam War had ended and uh, many, many veterans were coming back with uh, these symptoms and a syndrome that had no name, and since it appeared to be emotional and behavioral and psychological, it was written up in the psychiatric uh, book. But Chris and I believe uh, that it is at its core a biologically driven process that has emotional, psychological, and behavioral symptoms, but at its core, it's biological. Why do, I, why do I push that? Because psychiatric, to many folks, means a weakness of will, a character flaw, and something that if you just wanted to harder, you could control. And, and that's not the case for PTSD. And I think that concept, more than any other, has helped many of the veterans we've talked to, that, that it's not something you chose to get, it's not due to weakness of will or character flaw, and at its base, it is biologically driven. It is a process that is hardwired into our brains that allows us to deal appropriately uh, with times of crisis and trauma and danger. And, and it allows us to deal with that in such a way that we can keep safe. It then gets distorted and prolonged uh, and begins to show up as symptoms at a time when no such danger exists. And, and uh, that's why it's so confusing. 
Harry, perfect. I, I hope yes. in the next segment we can discuss some of those things that are possible that are management or coping skills or behavioral changes or adaptations that can be made that can help people with their PTSD. Do you find that VA doctors uh, are more educated on PTSD than the civilian doctors? Uh, yes. Uh, and and uh, one of the things I talk to the physicians that I lecture to about is that the VA of today is not your grandfather's VA, that they have made great changes in terms of hiring good people and training them fairly well um, and, and having folks who, by and large, uh, uh, have a passion for what they do. Now, having said that, I will also tell you uh, that there are some um, who don't have that passion, some who don't really understand the whole treatment process, and, and we can discuss this in just a moment, but, but treatment for PTSD is not like treatment of a sore throat. So let's say you got a sore throat, and you go to a doctor you don't like, <laughs> and that you don't have any particular trust in, as long as the doctor gives you the right treatment and you're not allergic to it, you're going to probably get well anyhow. But with PTSD, if you don't have confidence in your doctor, if you don't have a good rapport, if you don't trust them, if they don't explain well to you what they're about to do and why it's going gonna, it's gonna to be done that way, then what happens is uh, the treatment doesn't work uh, because treatment for PTSD is not something that the treator does to somebody. It's something that happens between the patient and the professional so that they have to work together. And, and there are factors that can get in the way. And if those factors get in the way, then the treatment, even if it could have worked, will not work. Harry, uh, I know I can hear in my head all of the various caregivers and vets who have spoken to me saying, I feel that way. I, 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 we don't have a rapport. I, I don't feel like I'm getting anywhere. I'm not going back. Yep. Um, what is your advice to them about how to either ask for a change or to discuss the issue? How do we get past that? Because there are, is a shortage of mental health providers at VA right now. So yep. you've got a compounded problem. Yeah, and and I wish I was smart enough, Linda, to have the answer for everybody. I don't. But let me let me give you the practicality of that. So we haven't talked about the symptoms of PTSD, but one of the clusters of symptoms. So, so uh, uh, let me start. PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. And by the way, there's this old controversy. Do we call it a post-traumatic injury or do we call it post-traumatic stress or do we call it a post-traumatic disorder? I don't think it matters all that much as, as long as people really understand 
that it's not a weakness of will or character flaw, and there can be something done about it. But PTSD means you're exposed to a traumatic uh, incident which involves threat to your life or the lives of those around you, or they've just added sexual assault in, in the new version of the DSM. And that as a result of that, you, you fear uh, for your life or you develop symptoms because you're exposed uh, to that traumatic incident occurring to others, your friends, your family, and others around you. And as a result, uh, there are four clusters of symptoms. The first is called re-experiencing. And by the way, it's an unwanted re-experiencing. So it might be re-experiencing in the form of nightmares, flashbacks, which are nightmares which occur while you're awake, or, or triggers like smells, sounds, sights that may cause symptoms, nightmares, or flashbacks. The second cluster of symptoms uh, is called negative thoughts and emotions. This is a cluster that was just added, and it involves things like uh, detachment, being here but not really being here, being somewhere else in your mind, not wanting to socialize with others, not trusting others, having negative moods all the time, uh, maybe even having this weird sense that, you know, I'm going to kind of die early, I think, called a sense of a foreshortened future. The third cluster of symptoms is called arousal, and that involves not sleeping well and being startled and jumpy, being hypervigilant and maybe suspicious, sometimes even paranoid, uh, and having uh, difficulty with concentration, and, and the big one is anger, irritability, and agitation. So those are three of the four clusters. But the fourth cluster is called avoidance. And avoidance means a conscious effort to avoid conversation about the trauma or people, places, things, and events that remind you of the trauma. So now let's go back to the point I was making, uh, seems like a year ago. The, uh, what, what, uh, it, so avoidance means you don't want to talk about it. So many veterans have spent years not talking about it and not wanting to think about it. Now, it doesn't work, by the way, because even if you don't think about it with PTSD, you think about it, uh, despite the fact you're trying consciously not to. So the veteran goes to the VA, sees a therapist they don't particularly relate to well. The common complaints I get is, heck, they weren't even born when I was in Vietnam, or they've never been in combat. How can they understand somebody who's been in combat? Or they're foreign. How, they don't even speak American. How can they relate to me? All of those, by the way, are not true, but they're seen as true by some vets. So the vet goes in, and the therapist says, have I got a deal for you, man? We're going to do this therapy. It's called prolonged exposure. And what we're going to have you do is we're going to have you talk and think about that traumatic event that you've tried so hard not to talk and think about over all these years. 
and we're going to do it on steroids, dude. I mean, we're going to have you do this for an hour at a time, and we're going to have you write it all down. And, heck, we might even put you in group and have you talk about it in front of a group of, of other veterans. And the veteran says, like, hell, I ain't doing that. <laughs> and, and so I spoke to a veteran. Uh, by the way, the, the therapy, as it's constructed in the manual, is 12 sessions long. So I talked to this veteran that I'm doing the disability eval on. I said, have you ever been treated? Yeah. Uh, well, where'd you go? Well, I went to the VA, yeah. And what did they do? Well, they did this thing. I don't know what it's called. Pee, pro, prolong something. I don't know what it is. And uh, did it work? No. Uh how many sessions did you go to? One. I said, but it's 12 sessions long. And the veterans often say, Linda, hell, I'll never go back. Right. I, I've been trying to avoid nightmares and flashbacks. I did that one time, and my nightmares got worse, and my flashbacks got worse, etc. Part of the problem is that the therapist didn't adequately explain it to the vet. Or the vet didn't hear the explanation. Probably and, a combination. And, or, or both. And so mm -hmm. we write about it in the book, but there are plenty of places. Uh, the, the, the vet, the PTSD center of the VA, ptsd.va.gov, uh, has lots of information about what the treatments are, including prolonged exposure, and what the... Uh, what the basis of that is, why we want people to do that, and how to do it correctly. Uh, so if it's done correctly and at the correct time in the process of treatment, we think it can be helpful. We think there are other things that are more helpful. But, but the studies show the prolonged exposure really can work if it's done at the right time and, and it's done as a cooperative venture between the veteran and the therapist. So the, the original question you asked, see, I do remember, the original <laughs> question was, what does a vet do if they go in and they don't like the therapist? They don't trust the, the, the therapist. They don't feel comfortable. One of my recommendations, if it's available, is that vets consider going to vet centers. Now, uh, during or after Vietnam, many veterans didn't trust the VA, and so the VA spun off a group of, of treatment centers called vet centers, mm -hmm. which were staffed only by veterans. Now, they don't generally give medications at vet centers, but often I find it's a good place for a veteran to start the treatment. The other thing is, is to be honest about your feelings, but to be honest in a non-threatening sort of way. Instead of saying, I don't like you, dude, and I don't trust you, and I ain't about to come back. I'm getting the hell out of here. That's probably not going to do anything. But to talk about the fact that, you know, I really don't feel comfortable talking about these things. I, I don't know if it's just you or just the process or whatever. And give it a chance to work. Sometimes it can work. Sometimes going to someone else 
Uh, in Texas, we're very lucky because we have what's called the Texas Veterans Commission. Mm-hmm. I, I think other states may have them as well. And the Texas vet counselors are housed at the VA, but they actually work for the state. And and they can often help, Linda, veterans negotiate the system, get through the system, and right. get to a therapist they really can relate to. I, I think, Harry, it's also a matter of the family members when the vet says, no, I'm done. And yet yep. the family member understands that there does need to be something further done. It's it's helpful. I agree with you fully on the vet centers. Um, and oftentimes the communication is done by a family member in order to be successful in going back to try something different to help the PTSD. Because as you mentioned, it's not going to just go away on its own in most cases. Right. So, if everybody, so, if everybody could hold that thought, Dr. Croft. We're just going to take a real short break here. You're listening to the American Heroes Network, powered by Voice America on the Variety Channel. We'll be right back. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. How do you know if you're living with an addict? If you think you know all the recognizable signs, you probably don't. If you're listening to and reading from the so-called experts, you probably don't. You need to hear from a parent, just like yourself, who has been there and can tell you what it's like firsthand. Please listen to Afflicted by Addiction with Bradley DeHaven. Our program is heard every Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. It just might save your life or the life of someone you love. Take us on the go. It's even easier now. The Voice America Talk Radio Network has launched our mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market to download the app powered by Aircast. It's free and no registration is necessary. In minutes, you could be enjoying your favorite Voice America Talk Radio host, no matter where you are, in the car, out and about, while traveling, or anytime you can't be close to your computer. Catch up on the archives you've missed or discover new shows on the spot. Search Voice America at your favorite app store. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are tuned into American Heroes Network. If you want to find out more about us or to contact us with questions or comments about the show, please send an email to American Heroes Network at gmail.com. That's American Heroes Network at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back. We're here with Dr. Harry Croft. And uh, while we're on break, we're talking about some of the questions uh, that we needed to ask. And uh, there's so much about PTSD. Linda, why don't you go ahead with, uh, I think, one of the most important ones? Well, I think one of the most important things and that we were discussing on break is, you know, drugs do have a place in PTSD treatment, PTSD treatment as well as therapy. And maybe you could discuss some of the various therapies and how they work and 
the alternatives to self-medication as you began this series with? So there are a variety of medications, uh, a variety of treatments. One of them is medicines. I mentioned it first, not because it's the most effective. It is not, by the way. The therapies work better than the medication. But, but everybody who finally accepts, okay, I'll get treatment, they hold out their hand for the pills. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, the pills have not yet been developed that treat the underlying condition. We have medicines that can help nightmares, help with sleep, maybe help with depression, maybe anger and irritability. But there is not a medicine equivalent, say, to an antibiotic for pneumonia that's yet been developed for PTSD. So medicines hold a place, but not the most important place. Therapies are the most important place, and they're working on therapies other than just the talking therapies. So acupuncture, nutritional supplements, animal therapy, hypnosis, all are being looked at. And while one may work for somebody, it may not work for somebody else. But the most important thing is you got to buy into the therapy and you got to do it right. And if you don't like it and don't think it's working, talk to your uh, doctor about it. Important thing is one size does not fit all in this. And exactly. I'm glad you exactly. mentioned the alternative therapy. Your neighbor may not work for you. Right. Very important. I, I also want to mention it used to be believed, Linda, that if if a veteran had substance abuse and PTSD, you needed to treat the substance abuse first, or it wasn't effective to treat the PTSD. The newer studies show you can treat both at the same time. But both need to be treated. So uh, if you've got depression or PTSD and substance abuse, treat them both because treating one doesn't necessarily get rid of the other. And they both aggravate the other condition. Is that the prevailing thought right now, treating both at at the VAs? Yeah, there there was this – well – I'm not sure yet. There was a big study published in the Journal of the American Medical Association out of Australia just this past year that showed that combined treatments do work. Whether that's gotten in as the treatment of choice at the VA, I'm not sure. But, okay. but both need to be treated is the point. Harry, as you, as you look at these folks who are seeking treatment and seeking a way to, to regain their lives as close to normal as they can, what are some of the signs that things are really not in your control and that perhaps others yeah. really are trying to encourage you to go seek help? Yeah, it, it, you know, certainly if the symptoms are interfering significantly with your life at home and your life at work or your life in school are causing problems with the law, um, you need help. If if uh, you're actively abusing substances, alcohol, or drugs in an effort to treat your own symptoms, uh, that's a big red flag. And, of course, the biggest red flag of all is if if it's causing you to think that uh, my life is not worth living, 
I'd be better off, everybody would be better off with me dead. If it's causing you to actively think about ending your own life, uh, then treatment is essential. Uh, and, and uh, you know, we started the show uh, with the discussion of a veteran uh, who had gotten in trouble with the law, and now everything about their life is more complicated. So I would urge veterans and family members uh, to, to get into treatment sooner rather than later. And, and you know, I'm an addictionist by training. I treat substance abuse. And it's the same message for family members I give to the family members of alcoholics. So, so the family member said, look, dude, you got a problem, man. You're drinking too much. You're an alcoholic. And the alcoholic says, you don't know what you're talking about. I don't drink too much. I don't even know what the hell you're talking about and get very defensive. And, and they often ask me, what do we do next? And the mm -hmm. answer is, it, it's like taking care of a plant. You, you seed it, you water it, you put fertilizer on it, and you keep mentioning it over and over uh, in, in different ways to get the person into treatment. And if all else fails, then there are processes you can go through and intervention and other things, even with PTSD, to force people into treatment, hopefully, that, that will benefit them in the long run. Right. It sounds like an evolving science, but interestingly, it is becoming far more of a science in terms of treatment. As you mentioned, the biological, the psychological components, um, the, the life components, and that makes it more opportunities for change. And, and the good news, Linda, is they are actively looking now at new treatments. There are several new medications in development. They're looking more uh, intensively at behavioral treatments uh, to see what works. Because you mentioned it, one size doesn't fit all. And what works for, for one veteran uh, may be an absolute disaster for another and vice versa. One of the things I believe is that the best thing that we can do is find a support system of people that understand, generally that means other veterans, that right. can get together and help one another. The problem with that today is many veterans go to their coffee deal once a week at the, at the restaurant, but all they do is bitch and moan about how terrible things are. If people could be focused at, uh, like AA on helping others with PTSD, I think that can be of great value. All right. Good point. Well, Dr. Croft, it's about that time, and we only have about a little over a minute left, and I'd like to thank you, really thank you for joining us today and being on our show. How can our uh, listeners order that book? Um, it's available where fine books are sold, Barnes & Noble and others, Amazon, or you can write us uh, through the website, uh, back to, uh, mybacktothewall.com, and there's a link there where people can find the book. And it's available in an e-form as well as a, a written paper form. All right. Is there anything you'd like to share with our listeners in closing? 
No, I just want to thank you guys, not only for having me, it's it's been wonderful, but to thank you for the work you're doing to help um, our veterans. Well, I appreciate it. All right. Linda, you have any closing remarks? Just that I think Harry does a remarkable job in bringing an overview of PTSD, make it alive, and it clearly is your passion, and we are grateful that it is. I would love to have you on again in the near future. Thank you. Okay. Remember, as of September 3rd, we'll be having live updates with Anthony and Tom on their 2,700-mile walk through seven states in 105 cities and towns. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, Dr. Croft, they also uh, were diagnosed with uh, PTSD, and they're doing something about it. Again, for event sponsorship information, email, uh, actually email us at sponsorinfo at AmericanHeroesNetwork.com. I'm Gary Ray, along with my co-host, Linda Crater, signing off. And thanks for listening to the American Heroes Network, powered by Voice America on the Variety Channel. Tune in every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Have a terrific week. Thank you again for joining us for this week's edition of American Heroes Network. Please join Gary Ray and his co-host Linda Crater and other prestigious co-hosts again next Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaVariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.